We praise you, we worship you, we honor you and lift you up. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised and we thank you for this time. You've ordained this time. This is ordered by you and uh, we thank you. We're not here just on our own because we choose, but we are drawn by your spirit. Thank you for drawing us, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about... The um, fact that the roots are still there. The roots are still there. Amen. The roots are still there. Uh, I was thinking about the story of Samson and uh, how he was counted down for the count. And um, uh, most of us don't think we ever get to that place and uh, you don't believe for it. You don't wish it. Uh, But sometimes your life can get to where you feel down for the count. Like you uh, have stepped over into a realm, a very foreign place where there's little or no hope for you. Um, sometimes it's it's uh, a snare that's set for us where suddenly you find yourself in a strange place. You might think to yourself, well, I used to have this and I used to be able to do that and I used to have this life and I used to have that life. Sometimes life can deal you a blow uh, that's, that's where you feel out of sorts. You know, many times it's associated with some type of a loss. Uh, I had feelings like that when my husband passed away. Um, it wasn't sudden, sudden. He was sick and and terminally sick and uh, was not able to recover his health. And so many times when you find yourself in a place that you had not ordained for yourself or you had not planned for, you can feel that all hope is lost. Um, There were many days I was in a very dark place and I just had to endure it until the light came in and I found my way out. You got me? Uh, There are times where uh, God will have to send you a word to rescue you and to give you hope until you can recover and, uh, you know, uh, establish yourself again. But there are times where people get into that dark place and they really do buy into the, the lie that all is lost. Amen. And uh, I can tell you that you're never lost from God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen. You're never eternally lost from God. And you're never lost in this life from the plan that God has for your life. Every life that comes into this world has a plan in God. I think we have to understand that. We, are, we don't call the shots at all. We really don't. Uh, you have to understand that when God gave you life, he ordained for you to live a life that he is pleased with. Amen. And so God has a plan for all of us. He has a recovery plan. When we don't uh, find our, we'll find ourselves in that dark place or we find ourselves seemingly cut off from God or in a place where we never thought we would be. Uh, there are people that backslide from serving God. Uh, they lose their footing. They get involved in something they thought was going to be better for them and then they find out boy the devil really hoodwinked me this time. He got me out here and I'm out here by myself and 
but but God will always give you a lifeline back. Uh, you'll have to humble yourself to get there. You know what I'm saying? And if that were real easy, people would stay humble. But you see, that's a challenge for many, many people because they don't like being wrong. If you liked humility, you wouldn't be backslid. Got me? So, so that is, and it takes an effort sometimes for people. It takes supreme effort for them to humble themselves, uh, and and like we say, break down. You know, <laughs> and find yourself crying out to God. Uh, but when you do cry out to Him, you'll find that your roots in God are still there. There's for somebody who's known God, trying to walk away from Him. And and they find that those roots are still there. So nobody's ever really eternally lost from God. Whatever those roots are, there's still life there. God will will water that, feed it, revive that person, bring them back to life. You got me? So the roots are still there. Roots are still there. So Samson broke a vow that he had made to God. In fact, he broke <laughs> his end was breaking the vow that that broke the the camel's back. I guess I could say it like that. It's hard to describe what I really mean, so I'll just begin to explain what what God showed me about this. So in Judges chapter thirteen. Samson was born by um, uh, ordained of God. Uh, now, it's true of everybody who's born, but we see a picture of how God ordained him for service. 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 You have to be a humble person to desire to serve, you have to stay humble in order to continue to serve. Whenever your pride raises up and you start to stand up on your own two feet and want this and want that and don't want this and don't want that and don't care what God thinks about it, you're you're in trouble. You got me? And many times we let ourselves get fed fleshly ideas not realizing how close we are to falling away from, from what God's ordained for us. Uh, he... he, he um, gives grace to the humble. Amen. He gives grace to the meek. He resists the proud. So you don't want to be on his resist list. Amen. You want to be on his grace list. So so Samson was born in Judges chapter 13 and verse 4. This is where the angel of the Lord appeared to his mother. And began to explain some things to him uh, about uh, to her about his birth, and uh, um, and he was of the tribe of Dan. Now the judges were taken from any and every tribe God wanted to pick from. He said it was a time of the sovereign choosing of God. Uh, the same thing with the prophets. The prophets were not born into a, a tribe specifically. Um, now there were some, some gifts and callings that followed a tribal line. 
but uh, the the prophets and the judges were taken wherever God can find them which leads you to believe that there was something a breakdown in the normal order of things because the normal order for God's kingdom was that the priests were the religious uh, authorities they ran the temple they kept the people ministered to before God so they were God's ministers to the people so when God began to raise up judges that meant that there was a failure with the priesthood so this is the time where you see priests being scattered doing odd jobs and you know if all you know how to do is preach and tend the altar and make sacrifices that limits your job capability so you would see them get scattered and kind of live wherever they had to live also when the people are backslidden they don't bring offerings and really that was the priest's salary and substance that they lived off of so when people backslide uh, the priesthood begins to falter and it begins to waver and so that was typical of Israel back in the day they would serve God faithfully for several generations and then all of a sudden they get distracted and start doing what they saw their heathen neighbors do and so this was a time where the people of God did what they wanted to do Uh, this was right after Joshua the judges came after Joshua as the uh, leader of God's people and the one in charge of of the temple ministry and and it wasn't a temple then it was God visited them in the tent of meeting but it was he was responsible and remember Joshua's last words (laughs) last words to the people is amen choose you this day whom you will serve because he saw the people getting distracted he saw them fading away he saw them being drawn off into the other gods of the Amorites and all the other ites that were living around them you know it's interesting when you have when you're content like when God is blessing when he was blessing Israel they were content out of boredom they start looking around and the other gods look more attractive to them and all the married people said keep it interesting amen that's all we're going to keep it real keep it interesting and keep it lifelike (laughs) amen because seasons when we're prospering are just as dangerous as seasons when we're not amen and so here Israel is and then they're they're a backslidden people so God has to raise somebody up so trust God because he will raise somebody up folks he's always got a plan so the angel of the Lord appeared to um, uh, um, Samson's mother and he told her that in verse 3 and he said behold now you are barren and bear not and it's this common when God is going to do something transitional with his people a woman is withheld from bearing children until she God positions her where she can bring forth the servant he wants you saw it with Hannah you saw it here you saw it with um, uh, um, uh, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth this is a common thing he'll take something that seems like a curse and turn it into a blessing 
because people were thought if you were uh, an Israelite and you were barren, you were thought something was wrong with you. It was some something you'd done that brought disfavor between you and God. But the Bible says God had shut up their wrongs. It wasn't their sin and their disobedience, but God had done that. And so he says, you will conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, beware. Beware. It's a warning. I'm asking you, do not drink wine or strong drink. Don't eat any unclean thing. For you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So, uh, the um, um, Samson was uh, said as as before he was born the right thing. The, he, so he couldn't blame his trouble on his mother. Well, my mother drank too much Chardonnay when she was pregnant, or she smoked dope when you, you know she's a drug addict. You don't have that complaint. And this is where how God set up a Nazarite's vow from in the womb, and He says He will be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So, of course, she came and told her husband. They made an offering uh, to the Lord. They were so ignorant of, of God's ways. Once, once the angel had accepted the sacrifice, the husband said, Oh, we've seen God. We're going to die. She said, If God were going to kill us, he wouldn't have promised us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, Wake up, brother. <laughs> you know, we got to get enlightened here and, and just go ahead and do what we're supposed to do so um, uh, actually our vows to God form the root of our relationship with God remember those days when you were first saved God I don't go anywhere do anything I love you so much Jesus just give me something to do with you and then the day when he comes to to uh, cash in on that check you wrote him Huh? In your time of excitement and love for him, huh? we got a little problem. I didn't. I didn't mean that. Did I say that? Huh? Huh? Uh huh. So our vows to God form the root of our relationship. When we accept Christ into our lives. We vow to live the life He has for us, or He would never come into your heart. If he's there, it's because you promised to live for him. Now, you might not have said them words, but anytime God accepts you, he accepts you on those terms and those terms only. He does not save people to go and do what they want to do. He's saving you from you, basically. Saving you from your sin and from you. So we begin our life with him by learning his ways. Amen. So that's how you start. You have roots in God of learning what he expects from you. Everybody does. Everybody has that curiosity. Oh God, now that I've found you, what am I going to do? Hmm? And, and once you understand that God will instruct you. In the ways. He doesn't need your ideas. He doesn't need your help. He needs 
obedient laborers and servants. Always a shortage of servants. Trust me. There's always a shortage. So we begin by learning his ways. We learn things like faith, service, obedience, how to hear his voice, how to respond when he speaks to us. So these are the roots of our relationship and they bear fruit in our lives. So if you have a root of faith, sometimes certain things are easy for you as a believer you know sometimes it's easy to believe for God's provision you know that that just clicks in some people then others struggle sometimes it's easy for some people to to believe God to to bless them uh in their 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 children you know and having children and so forth and so on and 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 so there's something that God graces everybody with that forms a root for them you can always go back to that root and know that God was with you when you prayed for this or he was with you when you believed him for that sometimes it's healing I started out sick and needing to be healed from God and he healed me so that's always a root that I can tap into that will bear fruit in my life when that one dries up uh, I know I need to do something else you know what I'm saying so you got to get back stir that root back up again and then start watering that and start pouring the word in and meditating on the word like you used to do when God first found you. So in Numbers chapter 6 we see what the Nazarite vow was really all about. And I'll share that with you. Because it's important to understand what God expected out of Samson. And what Samson did. Numbers chapter 6. I think it starts in verse 2. Verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the children of Israel. And say to them, when either man or woman shall separate themselves, this is us, we are separated, sanctified people, to a vow, a vow of a Nazarite to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from the influence of certain things. So when you're separated unto God, you're separated from the influence of certain things. When when Daniel found himself in the king's court and they gave him a certain food to eat and all that stuff, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Why? Because it would have an influence on him. The things we partake of, the things that we associate with, we don't think they do. People go do stuff because they like it. You got me? And there's something in us that will find kinship with things that God doesn't want us to have. And so we have to learn how to separate ourselves from things that have that kind of an influence and, and will pull us away from where God wants us to be. He says he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar of wine. Mm -hmm. Now vinegar was something they used for a table condiment. They would dip their bread in it. Bread would tend to get dried and and, uh, stale. And so there was always vinegar around to add as condiment 
to their meals so that what they ate would be fine. And and this is not like vinegar, vinegar like we we understand it. Vinegar really comes from if you let wine sit long enough, it will ferment still and turn into vinegar. Not if anybody's ever. <laughs> no, because you don't have it long enough, and I just. Why should I be so silly? I should know better. Yeah, I ain't never let no wine sit around that long to know what it's gonna turn into. It's gone when it's wine. So, anywho, uh, but that's what it what it turns. And so it was that that separation from things that intoxicated the world. Amen. So that's what you don't you don't want the worldly intoxication. No liquor drinks, no moist grapes or raisins. So you can't have none of that grape stuff. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in which he separates himself unto the Lord he shall be holy and shall let the locks of his hair grow on his head all the days that he separates himself unto the Lord and and some were called to this and some volunteered to do it Samson was called he didn't have a choice amen so that's why it says days of your separation because people would would come away from that vow after a period of time you see what I'm saying and so it was a training and holiness for many people Sometimes parents would allow their children. If you had Levites in your family, many of them were Nazarites because they made sure they were trained in keeping themselves separated and holy unto the Lord. The worst thing in the world you can be is a drunken minister or a drunken priest. Amen. You refuse God's Holy Spirit intoxication, which keeps you in a place where you are filled with the Spirit of God. Bible says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So drunkenness, wine drunkenness, or liquor drunkenness is a counterfeit of being spirit-filled. You can't mix the two. There's no reason, as a Christian, you should still be drinking, in my, my humble opinion. Go pray in tongues, stay out of bars, amen, and go home and go pray until that feeling passes you that you got to be out with strange company you're sanctified and set apart for the use of God you know, people would uh, ask me to say well um, you think Christians absolutely not I don't think you should be drinking now I'm I'm a minister and people call me at my home periodically for help you want me to be drunk when I pray with you well, you shouldn't be drunk either, because you're a minister too. You want to, you want, you want to be a believer's minister. You want to minister to people. You want to help them. Then you separate yourself. And stay up under that kind of influence. People call you up and you start acting stupid and embarrass you, God, and them too. Don't, don't go there. Amen. Don't go there. You don't have to. You have something much better than that. You're a spirit. You're not just flesh and, and blood. You are a spirit. Let your spirit live and forget this crazy stuff. 
all these days he separates himself to the Lord he shall come at no dead body so you can't touch a dead body even if your mother and father brother or sister die you can't come around them hmm? now this is this is a separation that gets people in trouble trust me anytime you're separated unto God you're going to come into conflict with loved ones family members somebody who thinks you're trying to be too good or you know the devil is looking for something to accuse you of and this is where the accusation comes in because you're going to have to show God that you loved your loved ones more than him I mean they love him more than you love your loved ones he says all the days of his separation he is holy unto the Lord if any man die very suddenly by him and he has defiled the head of his consecration shave his head and so forth and so on so you have to break that consecration and start all over again but you can see the hair not being cut is an essential component of your consecration got me it's a very essential component of your consecration and so um, Samson was under that vow he was under that restriction of being a Nazarite unto the Lord so he had Nazarite roots he was to abstain from strong drink no vinegar no grapes no raisins never cut his hair not touch anything dead not uh no eating any form of any vine amen don't don't get don't don't think because we didn't say raw grapes you can have them don't touch them period because that will give you a taste for it you got me so stay totally away from it it's like people are trying to live celibate well don't watch r-rated movies why are you sitting there watch somebody take their clothes off and and have sex and all that kind of stuff and you're waiting on god to bring you somebody huh you're supposed to be consecrated unto that individual whenever they show up okay so yeah amen so as a Nazarite your dedication is severed when your hair is cut okay, so that's important to note in the life of Samson there are things that do keep our vow to serve God when we cease doing these things our dedication is broken our dedication is severed but it does not have to be permanently severed many times people when they backslide they don't want to be around Christians anymore that's their dreaded they dread having to go back to church they dread running into anybody they dread 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 so they'll go somewhere and try to assume a new identity you got me try to pretend like they were never part of that assembly of believers try to pretend that that wasn't important etc etc now let me tell you what you're doing to hurt yourself if you try to chop off your own root system you you feed into your own demise you should never try and chop off a root system if God separates you and and when I say separate you go on to continue to serve God and there's fruit of your service you understand what I'm saying when I say fruit I mean stuff God approves of 
but you are to always stay open to an original root that God has rooted you in continuing to be fed be careful and when I say cut off the root I don't mean you can't separate yourself permanently from where you used to be you know what I'm saying because like for instance many of us came from denominational churches Miss Wanda, you were with a Catholic church. Uh, my family history, we were Baptists and so forth and so on. If I run into those people today, I love them. I, you know, we can pray together. We can, do, we, we can have free communication with one another. But I am not called to be in the Baptist denomination anymore. See, my, my roots that I had when I was there grew to where they could be transplanted in another place but I still can hold on to some of the things that I was taught there because it was of God you see what I'm saying being transplanted into another uh, to God's venue where maybe there's richer soil there's a call there I can't serve God in a Baptist church they don't let women preach you understand what I'm saying? If you get up there, it's to all kind of condemnation and negative speaking against you and so forth and so on. And that's not what God's called me to. So you can, you can do what God's called you to do without severing roots. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to uh, try. And, and the way you sever roots is that you'll, you'll start backbiting and condemning the root that fed you. You got me? So you don't ever want to do that. You know, if you find yourself being angry at people or something, you know, forgive and correct yourself. Go on, get yourself planted somewhere and serve God. But but you can't cut your roots off that you've drawn from in the past. You need to keep those roots alive and and tell God you're open to reconciliation with that body of believers you know let God know that you'll you'll be able to um, speak to those individuals to speak highly of them if there are things you learned there Uh, like uh, Pastor Shirley was we were talking about it one time and she said well I used to be mad at that church because all the things that they didn't teach me I said yeah but they taught you as much as you knew then that you were open to learn and then when your heart opened up to learn more God opened a place where you could learn more and and she began to reflect on the things that she learned there and I said you learned how to be faithful you learned how to be responsible you know they made sure that they had they raised money and built a church you understand that's not cheap experience you understand what I'm saying even though it was religious and and superficial they knew the work of the ministry there she was able to participate in it and so it's good to look at what your roots and appreciate those roots because see they'll still feed her they'll feed her life in wherever she goes and so that's the blessing of of being there Uh, I've lived long enough now in this ministry to see young people that grew up in this ministry move on move to different city or something like that and thank God they're an asset where they are and I asked the Lord for that I said I don't care where people in this ministry go let them be an asset wherever they go 
and they stand out amen is is people who are advanced in the things of god why because the root is still there see there we still are on friendly terms they just found their opportunity was in a different place and they moved there but they didn't sever themselves totally amen try to cut off your own roots so you you really shouldn't do that as a believer you know there's a way to preserve the roots that uh, you know you've you've dug in with certain things sometimes when you're you're transplanted you may have to move in a way that's not pleasant you know so many of us get the left foot of fellowship when we start growing in the Lord you don't fit in anymore and so that's unfortunate but you've got to move because where you are you've grown you know you're like uh, what they call root bound you ever get a plant uh, like a, a young plant and you want to pull it up out of the pot and when you pull it up it's all roots there's hardly any soil left there where they're root bound that's not going to grow anymore if it's left in that size pot so you got to put more soil put it get a bigger pot and allow the roots to and let that thing flourish to its full life and so that's what God wants for us for us to flourish to the full potential that we have sometimes people can't go back where they came from because of God you know he's closed that door but hold on to what hold fast to what you have gotten from God understand the difference between what's been sown in your spirit and maybe some of the um, doctrinal things that were wrong or disagreements that you had, whatever, whatever. Uh, let those things be small, but always respect your roots. Amen. Just respect your roots. So Samson, we see, begins living a life of breaking vows. He lives a life of disobedience. But there's something about his hair that he holds on to. You never see him voluntarily separating himself from God by shaving his head. So he wanted to be a servant of God, but not. Now some people got to save something for themselves. You know, we want we want to be known as somebody who's, you know, anointed and powerful and <laughs> we want to pay the price for it. You understand what I'm saying? We like power addicts. And that's kind of what Samson was. Because when he was a young boy, in, in uh, Judges 13.25, it says, The Spirit of the Lord began to move him from time to time or stir him from time to time. So we all get that. That's your initial um, interaction with the Holy Spirit and his power it's off and on it's off and on it's off and on it stays off and on until you're called to stand in the office he's called you to now if you're not called a fivefold ministry it, it, it will be off and on and it will grow in a consistency with use so say for instance if the spirit of God moves on you periodically but you you know uh, you, you get a chance an unction to minister to somebody witness to somebody whatever you want to say um, and it'll happen and, and uh, three months later maybe you'll get another opportunity or maybe a month later another opportunity and you keep taking those opportunities and then they grow 
into every day uh, if you can put a demand on it and so that's how Samson was the spirit of God would come upon him from time to time and so in in chapter 14 you see him now taking chances with his vow and in 14 verse 1 he sees a woman of the daughters of the Philistines and verse 2 it says he came up and told his father and his mother and said I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines now therefore go get her for me to wife so instead of allowing the parents the honor of connecting him with a Hebrew girl and keeping uh, the order of, of Hebrew culture and Hebrew life I mean that was still expected they were not allowed to marry outside of their faith and so here it is he's telling his parents how to treat him now this is sometimes typical it does not say that Samson's parents had any more children and this is sometimes typical of only children the parents spoil them they let them get away with whatever whatever it's too bad the angel of the Lord couldn't have instructed the parents further on now when you get this kid you got me <laughs> that you have to no there's no manual they don't come with a manual but they come with you come with common sense and you come with a certain upbringing yourself and you can always talk to God about it see that's the one person you do need to talk to amen so Samson pretty much lives a life of disobedience this ain't the first wrong thing he'll do and it's not the last so number one he marries outside of his faith man and he marries into the people that are the sworn enemies of his people so this is like a Jew marrying maybe a, a Muslim or something like that or a Christian marrying a Muslim we're not allowed to marry out of our faith either Amen. just for, um, for uh, purposes of peace see the Bible says God has called us to peace and how can two walk together except they be agreed so you got to agree now the believer is always the one that makes a compromise trust me to stay in any relationship you will have to compromise amen because you don't have the weapons they have anymore do you realize that when you're born again you've been stripped of a lot of your carnality just when the Holy Spirit moves in he don't move in on top of your mess he cleans you out and makes room for himself when you repent and turn your life over to God that gives God permission to get the drinking the drunk the fornicating the lies the cussing the stealing all of that he comes and takes the big ten out of you to make room for himself so what I'm saying is you're no match for a sinner in your life because see they can cuss you out and mean it they can whoop you and, and go to the, go to court and come right out and start stalking you all over again and there's nothing you can do about it to match them so you're no match for the devil so don't embrace him don't take him to your bosom don't don't make any vows to to the devil's people you'd be much better off not to promise anybody anything 
Amen. So Samson lives a life basically of disobedience. First thing he does, he marries outside of his faith. But his mother and his father said to him, Is there never a woman from your own people? Why don't you like Christian girls? How come you hang around with... Why would you do this? What do you have in common with this person? Most people are deceived when they, you know, he's already deceived. If you like somebody who's a sinner, you don't see them as somebody you need to minister to and leave them alone. You you can connect with them and marry them. There's something wrong with your thinking. Amen. Something wrong with you. And so you need to separate yourself until you can get that corrected. You know, in fact, when you see yourself being drawn to sinners and you start shunning the church, you need to repent because you get something in your heart that's not right against God's people. See, that kind of stuff can can form a, a bitter root and a, a poison root in us that lasts a long time. You know, I'll see people, preachers who be so down on God's people. I say, what is wrong? I said, no, that don't even sound right. Are you one of us? Or are you somebody else? You know, you just—you know—everything negative against people, and pretty soon they're backslidden. You know, some people, you know, you you just put that red flag goes up. You know, and they may have good messages and have a, a perfect call on their lives, but when you see a lot of that ridicule of church people condemning church people as you know bad people and and I heard somebody say the church is the only place that they eat their young and I said what is wrong with you and see they'll say that in in the context of some story that they're telling and it kind of just goes it doesn't hit your filter and you snatch it out and pull it out of there and say now this ain't right I'm not receiving this you understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, and I've had to sever relationships with people over that kind of stuff. You know, you just get tired of hearing them being, why are you so down on your own people? Are you one of us or not? You got to be careful where you identify. I don't care how bad quote unquote church people get. They ain't worse than the world. Yeah, I ain't going back out there again. So I'm going to have to hang with God's people and they're going to have to hang with me because we ain't hanging the other way no more. I'm delivered from from the love of carnality. I don't love nothing about the flesh. matter nobody else's. So here's Samson. He, he loves somebody he's not supposed to love. He begs his parents, go get her. She pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know it was of the Lord. Now, that wasn't God's plan for Samson. When it says was of the Lord, it really means it's permitted by God. Why? Because God can work anything out for his good. He's already invested in it. It's like people we see that we know. Are, are basically hanging on by a slender thread for their obedience in God. God's already invested in Samson. Look at where he called him. Look at how he's groomed him. Look at how he's... And this is sin and it's wrong. But God says, my grace, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. I need him. I need somebody to rescue my people from the oppression of the Philistines. 
I don't know of any perfect ministers that ever come into the face of the earth that don't have flaws, faults, sins, stuff that's being worked on. Uh, nobody. And you either. You ain't perfect either. And God uses you. You know what I mean? We all expect God to use us. So God said, this ain't too bad for me. I'll use them. You got me? And so because God sought an occasion against the the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So God's looking at the little bit I can use him. We'll, we'll set some people free. And that's what I'm looking at. God looks at the needs of his people as a whole. Not at the weakness of the vessel necessarily. Got me? And he'll give the vessel a time to straighten up. So uh, uh, Samson goes down and a young lion roared against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Number one to preserve his life. And he tore him as he would have uh, a baby lion. And he didn't have anything in his hand. So here this man was physically strong enough to be the lion. And he did. And he went down and talked with a woman and she pleased him well. And after a time he returned to take her and turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. He took some of the honey and went on eating it and even fed some to his parents. So when people sin they like to get others involved. And this is the problem with the flesh. The enemy gets us weak so that he can use us to influence other people's weakness. And don't ever forget that. That's why it's good to repent of your sins immediately. Don't let that thing get to be a secret sin because trust me you're going to open your mouth and tell another saint and be responsible for their downfall. You got me? You don't ever make light of sin in front of God's people. I don't care how you feel about it. You hear me? Don't, you know, if you like R-rated movies, don't come in here and, and have coffee and bagels and talk about somebody something you saw. Leave the movies at your house. We don't show movies here. We teach the word. We bless the people. We pray. Don't come in and defile this atmosphere with your nonsense. Okay? I don't care what the movie is about. People think it's a, you know, well, I can talk about this movie because uh, there was some crazy. We don't want to hear about that either. We are dealing with real life here. Let's keep it on real life. Let's keep it on God's kingdom. Let's keep it on what God's doing. Let's stop the nonsense. Because pretty soon it crosses that line. You got me? It does. Pretty soon you'll be talking about something you saw. And, and uh, you know you know that there's some something raw in there. And you just let that get into the conversation. See, who, see how it floats. Stop that. You're guilty. You need to repent. Go somewhere and hide until you get cleansed. And then come back and we'll talk. But don't keep that condemnation over your head. And want to share it with somebody and pass it off as is okay. Just don't do that. 
because that's not right. It's not fair to the people of God, and it's not fair to God either. You know, we don't know. We all do things we're not supposed to do. You don't come and broadcast them like it's okay. You know, just keep it thin and keep it under the blood, and, and talk to God about it and ask Him to deliver you from your weakness. That's how you handle that. And so the Spirit of God came mightily upon him. Here he is. He's touching a dead thing. So he's broken his dedication. He needs to go to the priest, make the appropriate offering, confess that, and never mentions anything like that. He does. All of the times he breaks his vow, it doesn't mention that he does that. And the other thing that, that it seems that that vow required was that he cut his hair and start all over again so that's like ministers who are slipping around living a double life and they get back up in the pulpit just because the spirit of God shows up they think they're okay got me don't ever play God cheap he never winks at sin once we're blood bought he means to deal with it get it out your life so you can live pure and holy for him and so he, he's not winking at our sin. He really isn't. And so that needs to be dealt with the proper way. So Samson's sinning, God's still using him. He thinks he's getting away with it. And that is a common practice with Christians. We think it's okay because we haven't dropped dead yet. You know what I'm saying? We're looking for something drastic to happen. Oh, I still got my car. I still got my house. I still got my job. I said, oh, oh, I'm getting away with something here. The Bible says God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you reap. Be sorry, but don't mock him. You know, you can you can be a, a, a number one mess up, but just keep a contrite heart. And God will help you. But when you start mocking him, thinking that day will never come, it will come on you like a thief. So he broke all of the vows of the Nazarite. Number one, he married the enemy. That was in 14 verses 1 through 3. 14 verse 8, he touched the dead carcass and deceived his parents with it. So we just saw that with the dead carcass of the lion. 15 verse 5, took the jawbone of an ass and killed some Philistines. Another dead animal he touched. 16 verse 1, he had sex with a prostitute. Went down to a place called Gath, Gaza. Sorry about that. In 16 verse 1, he, Samson went to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went into her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is here. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it's day, we will kill him. And Samson lay until midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors off the the city gate and the two posts and went away with them bar and all and put them on his shoulder and carried them up to the top of the hill that was at Hebron. So he escapes. His strength comes back and he escapes. He, He commits sin. His strength come back and he escapes. Samson believes he's figured out that as long as he keeps this one vow, he's cool with God. You can do anything you want to do, Samson. You don't have to do all them rules. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do 
be careful when you think you can eliminate God's laws from having to obey them. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to, yeah, yeah. How much stuff we going to cut out and still call ourselves children of God? You got me? We need to be looking to obey him, not disobey. Amen. Not be an exception. Think what would happen if we followed his rules and respected them and did them out of love. We could turn this world upside down. They did it in the book of Acts. The early church obeyed God. That's why they had so much power. That's why you could drop dead for life. About an offering that was voluntary. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to to know and believe that if we will continue to fulfill what God tells us to do, our lives will be better. You're not looking to do less for God. You're looking to please him more by being more obedient. Amen. So Samson toyed around with his Nazarite vow enough to eliminate certain things as being quote unquote necessary to please God. Don't ever get yourself in the place where you're doing the bare minimum of what God expects. Don't don't put yourself there. Because what will happen is one day you will not do the minimum. And then where are you going to be? Huh? But your roots are still there. You've got to know your roots are still there. So Samson falls in love with this woman called Delilah. And she's somewhere else he's supposed to be. The lords of the Philistines follow him around. So it seems that every place Samson is, the Philistines eventually show up there. I'm not sure if Gaza was a Philistine territory. Amen. But they show up there. So everywhere you go, if you're trying to outwit God and not do what God wants you to do, the devil's hot on your trail. He wants to hem you up and corner you. And he does it because of disobedience. See, when you're being obedient to God, the Bible says oppression is far from you. Amen? Amen. So those who want to oppress you, Satan's minions, are far from you when you're being obedient to God. Because the angel of God encamps around you and keeps the enemy at a distance from you. But you start breaking laws. You start cheating a little bit here. You start doing a little bit there. You start drifting off here and drifting off there. And think it's okay because you got a reason. It's like what Samson, his parents said, don't you like any Hebrew girls? I mean, why can't you just like some people that you're supposed to like? You know what I'm saying? What's wrong with you that you... Huh? And so when we find ourselves thinking that we have a right to, well, I don't like them Jim Church people. They think they better than everybody, and they, and you, you think they good people? They ain't. They just as wicked as the people out there in the world. There's something wrong with you. Nothing wrong with God's people. Is wrong with you? Because you're not seeing right. That is just not true about God's people. Amen. They're righteous people. And who appointed appointed you a judge over the body of Christ? See, when we get there, the Bible says, if you are a doer, 
you're a doer. If you're a judge, you're not a doer. So people start judging aren't obeying God themselves. That's what the problem is. And so the quick will go down to deception. So here Delilah is. The Philistines come up to her and offer her money to to find out Samson's secret of his strength. And Samson, before he knows it, breaks down and tells her. See, before Samson was always giving people riddles and dangling his power in front of them and all this kind of stuff and thinking it belongs to him, thinking he's in charge of it. But God's in charge of the power that we move in. You don't own the anointing. You know, you don't own anything in God. These things work at God's command. You know, I mean, thank God the anointing shows up. Every time you get up to do a job for God. But that ain't guaranteed any either. We don't take that for granted. You understand me? You just. Yeah. So, you know people. Like people who uh, are gifted. You know prophets. The, the gift of prophecy. That's as the spirit wills. Now we. We. Pray and we believe that when there's a need and we possess that gift or that gift resides in us, that God will release that gift to help the people. Your faith can take you that far, but don't bank on it. It might be one time he said, nah, don't prophesy this time. You know, sometimes it's rare, but it's there. You got me? And so, just cool it. Getting thinking you own certain things. You don't own anything. Not not supernatural power you don't. The devil won't even let witches own his power. They got to come up to his standards for him to give them anything. So don't ever take anything supernatural for granted. Amen. And so uh, when when God allows us to to be used by him, we have to obey his laws and stay separated. Or must stay separated to God. So what happened was uh, Samson finally told Delilah the secret of his strength. And that's in uh, Judges chapter 16. And uh, uh, she pounded him and pounded him and pounded him and manipulated him. You know, Jezebel power is able to use whatever witchcraft manipulations they can to seduce a person's mind. Your mind gets mixed up in those occult spirits and uh, you got other spirits talking to you and things sound reasonable and they wear you down and break you down. That's why it's good to separate yourself from people who are involved in that kind of occult power. You know, or people who cry a lot when they don't get their way easily, uh, manipulate and, and like to play on people's emotions. Amen. That's why you spank your kids and make them shut up. You got me? They say, oh my shut up. You know, and keep it moving. Uh, because you don't want your child to learn how to get their way by wearing people down emotionally. Got me? They, they live a life, a very disappointed life. And some of them get themselves into trouble because they learn how to be controlling. And when they meet people they cannot control, then they go to the next level. Whatever the next level is, the devil takes them to. 
to manipulate and control people. Amen. That's why God doesn't want you uh, uh, sleeping with anybody outside of marriage. Because there's great control there. And great manipulation there. And so and people think that, well, we're Christians, we'll get married. You just put a Band-Aid on a, on a running sore. You know, if you didn't repent and, and get that cleaned out before God, you know, you're just opening up to more manipulation. You'll have a, a failed marriage because all you do is manipulate one another. You know, and, and you just, you, God doesn't want you to live like There's a way to live free, folks. You live free. Or you don't owe anybody anything and they don't owe you anything. You know, you're free to love them and to serve them and to get along with them. You don't need manipulation in your life. You just think you want stuff. You don't want it that bad. You just want to win. You know, after a while, it's just winning the argument. Ma'am, so um, in, in, uh, we're in chapter 16. Verse 17, Samson told her all his heart. And if women pay attention to what men do, you'll find that that's rare. Them brothers going to always keep a secret somewhere. If it's, <laughs> if it's just $10 they had in the sock, they go, they will tell you everything. Um, why? Because that gives you power. And people don't like to be vulnerable. They don't like to give you power over them. You know, I'm always nervous around men that talk a lot. Somebody write with them. What are you telling me all that for? He ain't gonna just tell me that stuff. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Talking too much. Anyway, but he says he told her that he'd never cut his hair. He says, I've been a Nazarite all to, unto God from my mother's womb. And if I am shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I will become weak like any other man. So Samson had figured out why he still had strength and why God never penalized him heavily for all of his other breakings of the vow. Now, I'm not saying he never uh, atone, never went to the priest for atonement for these things, but it's, it's understandable that somebody who is trying to not be totally obedient would go to figuring stuff out. Like most of us do. And you get blessed by God. And the first thing you want, oh, what did I do to get that? And you notice God never tells you? Hmm? Why? Because you'll start doing that only and quit doing everything else. Even though it's a little manipulators. Every now and then he'll let you reflect on something that that you sacrificed that was important to him or something like that. You know, if he knows he can trust you. But but oftentimes people want to know because they want to decrease what they're doing for God, not increase. Because if you're you're living for God, it doesn't matter to you how he blesses you or what. None of that turns your head. You just focused on obeying him you're not focused on what you get for it necessarily and so we have to be careful with curiosities and understanding too much about how to get blessed and how to get this and how to get that and how to get that see we've got a lot of people falling away from the church in the last 20 or 30 years because 
we were promised from the pulpit not from the heart of God necessarily that we were going to be rich we were going to get this we were going to get that and we are going to get that if we give to and people seen a lot of their money going into these ministry coffers and they didn't get rich and when the economy tanked they tanked right with it amen there was no life raft for them to keep their little 401k alive amen so so we have to understand that God wants us to be obedient to him period we're not supposed to be manipulators we're supposed to be pure like little children have faith like little children have faith so in verse 17 he tells her and when Delilah saw that she had told him everything she uh, called the Philistines and they uh, cut his hair and his strength went from him verse 19 she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and and she began to afflict him and his strength went from him and she said the Philistines are upon you Samson and he awoke out of his sleep and said I will go out as other times as before and shake myself but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza bound him with fetters of brass and then put him to grinding meal or grinding wheat in the prison house so here the people that Samson used to get strength from God to subdue he's not able to subdue them anymore and sometimes that is a sign that as a believer you've gone too far when you're you don't seem your prayers get answered doesn't seem when you rebuke the devil he moves fast enough it doesn't seem that this when strength goes out of you that is a sign that you have moved far enough away from God that is not working you need to get closer you need to repent you need to straighten yourself out and so Samson though he says in verse 22 his hair began to grow again howbeit his hair began to grow again after he was shaven in other words the roots were still there the obedience wasn't there but the roots of his vow were still there see when your hair begins to grow back spiritually speaking that means the roots have been stirred why he's not been doing any sin has he Mm, interesting right what God needs to do to get you away from the devil he will do he can't do anything but grind meal and there's no way he can sin he can't go see no hookers he can't go see Delilah he can't go touch anything dead he just can do what he's told to do and even though he is blind which is another sign he was blind all the time and it just is made evident in the natural he was blind spiritually all that time and didn't know it so now it manifests in the natural 
where where is his blindness shows up it's it's such a a, a a bitter root and a poison root in him that it has taken his natural sight and so samson is there and he's weak and he's shackled and he's made to to like an animal he's tied up like an animal amen that's where the devil likes to get people to where you're living like an animal I know you, some people live worse than animals to be honest with you As animals kill because they're hungry they don't kill just for the sake of killing and you see people that do that animals uh, you know at least will uh, take care of their young you see people abort their young and so sometimes we do live worse than animals there's some things that are worse and so here he starts to feel his hair grow again I thought, I said, that's a good scripture for falling out here and for baldness. I just grabbed that and say, hey, I got my roots are still there. God, stir up my roots, make them produce. And so he sees his hair coming back. So God allows that. Now, God didn't have to let his hair grow. You understand me? He didn't have to allow it. But God allowed it because he saw. He said, here Samson is. He can't help. What would you do if that were your child? And you saw, because of his own disobedience, you saw the enemy put his eyes out. You see the enemy debilitate him. You see the enemy with an advantage. You see him in prison. You see him hungry. You see him on drugs. What would you do if that were your child? You try and help him. And so then God helps Samson. And that's why the roots are still alive. That's why we got to be, be thankful that the roots are never killed. Your roots in God are still there. And so he will come and he will help you. He will begin to feed that root of what you, you uh, realize is a good root in God. So the the in, in in this is something that's true for us is is Christians. You know, many people want Christianity to be what they think it ought to be. We think it ought to be a party and nothing but fun all the time, and we don't have to do anything that's unpleasant, or we don't have to you know wait for God to do anything. And nothing could be further from the truth. Christianity is what God ordains it to be for you. He, Taylor, makes your life, your walk to suit your life. Amen. So the the walk that I have may be different from the one that you have. The walk that I have may permit me to do some things that would be a stumbling block for you. I don't flaunt them, flaunt them in front of you and you don't flaunt yours in front of me. But we allow ourselves to grow into the spiritual person that God wants us to be. Amen. Uh, do things by unction. If, if I see you doing something and I know it's going to get it into trouble, I'm going to warn you. That's my job. You understand me? Because I don't let people fall off a cliff just because I don't want to offend you or I want to be friends with you or I want to be this or the and we don't do that kind of stuff as believers amen and so we we have to to understand but you know what is as believers now I'm not talking about people in authority over your life but one-on-one as believers you have to learn how to build each other up as well you got me you don't do things that would lead the other person astray you don't ever do that 
You do things that will encourage the good. But don't think of yourself as the boss over the other person. Either you don't have that kind of authority with each other. You have fellowship with each other and you keep one another in fellowship. And it's different than having spiritual authority over people. You know, some people get in a congregation and find the weak people and make appoint themselves as the boss over everybody. You know, you always have people like that. And you are, you, I'm giving you permission to rebuke them and tell them to mind their own business if they get too far over into yours. You understand what I'm saying? But, but you know what I'm saying. You just keep it real. You know, keep it holy. Keep it God. And you can help one another. So the laws of God will challenge us to conform to the law. We don't break the law and make the law suit us or obey the things we like to obey. Christians leave the faith when they come up against a hard principle or a hard expectation from God. Like with the disciples that followed Jesus when he talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He said a lot of people turned away from him. They just quit going. And they needed to because they were following for the wrong reason. See, that teaching wasn't inappropriate because people left. Sometimes the most appropriate teachings will cause people to, to grab a hat and move out. You understand what I'm saying? That's never any indication of anything, people's reaction to the message. So the message always has to come from a place of truth. Amen. So we'll leave the faith sometimes when we come up against hard principles where we in in an expectation from God. And for Samson, it was his selfishness and wanting fleshly gratification that always got him in trouble. He could not rise above the level of his flesh. He always had to live in that little spoiled only kid mentality of whatever I need to get, my parents will get it for me. He always you know included his parents in it you know and that's wrong you know it's not it's dishonoring your parents so you won't go well with you and your days won't be long on the earth and we saw that with Samson because Samson probably lived only to be in his early 40s at the most as I can tell because he, he judged Israel for 20 years and the spirit of God began to come on him when he was a very young man. So if he made 50, that would that would have been a long time for him. And he should have lived much longer than that. He would have lived longer had he obeyed God. Amen. So then for Samson, it was selfishness and wanting fleshly gratification. It ensnared him and caused his downfall. But God was not done with him. God was not done with him. God is never done with us because our hair will grow back. Amen. We got roots. Amen. And those roots are in God and those roots are deep in God. So it says here in 16 verse 23. When the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice for their sin, they said, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry, they said, Call for Samson. 
that he may make us sport. In other words, we want some entertainment. Samson's the entertainment for the night. And they call for Samson out of the prison house. And he made them sport and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Allow me that I may feel the pillars were on the house stands that I may lean on them. Now the house was full of men and women and all the lords of the Philistine were there and there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Now, does that sound like somebody who's serving God? Still personal with Samson is always it's always about Samson. But God allows it. There's so many people who get up and preach because they think they're wonderful and they think they're important. It would shock you what people have in their heads when they get up before people and before men. You understand what I'm saying? They're full of self-importance. But God pushes that out of the way because he's given them a name. He's given them a platform. And he allows them to minister anyhow for the needs of the people. Not to make them great. So whenever we do something, there's always different motives involved here. Samson's motive is it's about me. God's motive is... I put him in that position to kill Philistines and I'll empower him to kill Philistines. I'm not empowering him when he's laying around with these different women, but I'll empower him to kill some Philistines anytime he wants to kill them. And so he says here, he took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on it which was borne up with the one hand of his right hand, the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines amen and he bowed himself with all of his might and the house fell upon the lords and all the people that were there so the dead which he slew at his death was more than he ever killed in his life so you can see he lived for himself he could have been he could have gathered an army and warred with the Philistines like he was supposed to do he was supposed to train other men of war to war against the Philistines but with Samson it's all about him he'll kill a few of them just to get even with them because he's mad at them and then he goes about his carnal life but he was still had roots in God that root of, of not cutting his hair allowing that to be the one thing that he kept to keep himself between him and God God allowed him to keep it and when he lost it God gave it back to him again it's the mercy of God folks our God is so big and so merciful he's past finding his ways are past finding out all we can do is worship him and thank him amen father we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to look into your word and see things that you have only allowed certain people to see father you you can't reveal everything to everybody you want to but you have chosen us that you might reveal our your truth to us so that we can prosper and live so we thank you for that privilege in jesus name amen and praise god